0: help.com/sober Welcome back to the sober powered podcast. I'm Jill and today I'm going to talk about avoidance behavior and how your tolerance for unexpected stress impacts your quality of life. I'll explain some interesting studies about intolerance of uncertainty leading to heavy drinking and how your ability to tolerate stress determines your sensitivity to rewards like alcohol. You'll learn how to use the method of cognitive reappraisal to reframe the way you think about stress and to see situations in a healthier, more realistic perspective. So let's dig in. Avoidance behavior has been found to play a role in maintaining anxiety disorders by preventing the person from seeing the truth about their fears. We need to experience a lack of correlation from what we're afraid of and the negative consequences that we're trying to eliminate by avoiding it. The same thing is true for drinking, and my best advice if you're stuck in the cycle of drinking and wanting to stop, but not stopping, is to collect data on your drinking. Does drinking actually help you in any way? Do you ever moderate in the way you intend? How do you feel after the drinking is over? Does one drink ever satisfy you? Besides having a lack of awareness, problem drinkers also struggle with cognitive flexibility, something that we've discussed in episode 60. Avoidance behavior is counterproductive, even though it seems like it's helping. Avoiding your problems or telling yourself you'll deal with them later only lets them get worse. I started questioning my drinking in 2014, but did nothing about it. I avoided the problem until it got so bad in 2019 that I couldn't avoid it anymore. And that's what happens with avoidance behavior. We avoid it until it gets so bad that we're forced to face it. A 2014 study on patients with OCD found that they continue to perform avoidance behaviors despite knowing that the negative outcome they're trying to avoid wasn't actually going to happen. And this type of inflexibility is seen in a lot of different mental health conditions, like addiction too. Normally, we would see that what we're doing isn't helping and stop doing it. But with some mental health conditions, we have excessive and inflexible avoidance, and it prevents us from seeing the truth. As someone gets older, they stop tolerating alcohol as well, and their hangovers might get worse and last longer. This happens because as we age, our body isn't as good at producing the enzymes we need to break down alcohol. So it takes longer for us to process and eliminate all the alcohol we're drinking. The longer alcohol is hanging around, the more time it has to do damage to our health and make us feel terrible. This is called outcome devaluation. When the outcome starts to become less valuable, Most adults think that partying is fun when they're younger, but as they age, they naturally grow out of it because the worsening hangovers and lost productivity makes the reward of alcohol less valuable for them. So that's devaluation, becoming less valuable. But with excessive and inflexible avoidance, we keep drinking, hoping for a different result. Just like someone with OCD performing rituals to avoid an outcome they're afraid of, we keep believing our drinking will be different this time, even though it hasn't been different for the past hundred times. Many of us drink to avoid or to cope. As humans, we like to believe that we're in control of our lives, so feeling uncertain for the future or feeling out of control is something that drives many of us to drink. That's why the pandemic was such a big problem and why people drink excessively during election times. They have a low tolerance for uncertainty and drink to cope with the stress and the unknown. We're seeking to make the situation more predictable and to create the illusion of control by drinking. In episode 55, I talked about how to power through when you want to give up using an example of a time I felt very out of control. I had some unexpected stress that made me feel uncertain about the future and that I had no control over my life. And my first instinct was to drink. That's what I always did to cope with unexpected stress and uncertainty. It felt like drinking calmed me down and made me feel less overwhelmed. We all have a different amount of uncertainty that we can tolerate before we try to fix the problem. If you have a very low tolerance for uncertainty, then you might regularly be engaging in avoidance behaviors to attempt to cope or create the illusion of control. What studies have found, though, is that excessive avoidance is related to a high sensitivity to stress, an insensitivity to outcome devaluation, and a resistance to extinction. So what I mean by that is that we're overly sensitive to stress, get overwhelmed easily, and have a very low bar for what we can tolerate before doing something self-destructive to try to fix the problem. An insensitivity to devaluation means that even as the value of the reward starts to suck, so like as drinking starts to result in consequences, our minds don't adjust and we still just believe that drinking helps and a resistance to extinction is similar. That's not being able to let the reward go even when it's not really rewarding anymore. So I have had some hardcore sugar cravings in sobriety, which I explain why that happens in episode 41. And there have been times in my sobriety where I ate sugary junk every single night. I started to gain weight and regret my choices. So over time, the sugary reward that I was craving began to lose its appeal. That's extinction. As you observe the negative consequences from the reward, it becomes less enticing and you desire it less or not at all. With drinking, though, the more consequences we have from drinking, the more tightly we hang on to it. We keep convincing ourselves it'll be different despite all the evidence showing us it won't. People with a low tolerance to uncertainty who engage in excessive avoidance keep themselves trapped in the loop, and their avoidance behaviors cause them to continue to feel anxious and uncertain, making them even more sensitive to cues. Studies have linked an intolerance for uncertainty to excess worry and anxiety and compulsive behaviors like problematic drinking, hoarding, and checking behavior in OCD. Addiction is characterized by emotion dysregulation in two main ways, impaired emotional awareness, meaning not recognizing how we feel and why, and an inability to control our behavior when experiencing emotional distress. Studies have found that a lack of emotional awareness is a strong predictor for problematic substance use. Intolerance of uncertainty has been identified in other studies as a vulnerability factor for emotional disorders. People who can't tolerate uncertainty also struggle to identify which emotions they're feeling, so instead they feel overwhelmed and out of control. There have been some studies that found a link between intolerance of uncertainty and drinking to attempt to manage or avoid negative emotions. A longitudinal study published in 2022 followed young adults for three months during the pandemic and looked at coping strategies in response to the pandemic. So they found that people who struggled with cognitive reappraisal also drank more alcohol. Cognitive reappraisal is an adaptive coping strategy where we reframe what is going on and look at the evidence that we have. It's a strategy that people use when they recognize that their thoughts are falling into a negative pattern that's unhelpful. They did not see a strong link between intolerance of uncertainty and drinking more alcohol and concluded that this could be because when intolerance of uncertainty is very high, participants did not want to drink because they didn't want to feel more out of control. This study included 200 participants who were 18 to 25 years old, so this is a small sample size, and I think if they included older participants too, like 25 to 45, they may have seen a stronger link for intolerance to uncertainty and drinking. Cognitive reappraisal is an important technique that we all need to learn. So you'll hear it described in the personal development world as having gratitude. But for many of us, including me, being told to have gratitude when things are going badly in your life makes us just wanna throw up and roll our eyes. Toxic gratitude tells us to be grateful because some people have it worse, but that just doesn't work for a lot of us. So how can we learn to reframe what's going on without doing gratitude? About 10 years ago, I was in a PhD program and it wasn't a good fit. The department had more first year students than anticipated and they were $90,000 above budget because they were funding us. So to make up for that, they decided to take away three people's funding for their second year and I was one of the students that was targeted. I hadn't been happy in this program and I wasn't doing my best work because I was mostly concerned with getting thin and I had just started drinking that same year. I decided to leave the program when they threatened to take away my funding, and the chair of the department told me, no one has any confidence that you will succeed. And by no one, he meant like all the professors that I admired and looked up to in the department. It destroyed me, and it's one of the most painful memories in my life. The way that I responded to this, of course, was by getting day drunk every day without eating for a month straight while I figured out what to do with my life. Drinking like that didn't help. And this feeling that people that I admire think I'm stupid has been triggered a few times since that moment. And every time it gets triggered, my first instinct is to drink. But now I can reframe this and see how I contributed to my lack of success in the program too. Before, I was always blaming everyone else for my problems, but I have responsibility over my life too. The way I think about this now, and this is the reframe, is that the program was not a good fit. But I could have been more successful if I pushed myself and if it was my main passion and focus, but instead I was more concerned with being thin and drinking with my colleagues." Sure, the way that they went about threatening to take away my funding was awful, but I could have been a better student and made more connections with my professors so they thought more highly of me. I think I am capable of getting a PhD, and what that professor said to me was horrible and completely inappropriate. But I do recognize how drinking every day to cope didn't actually do anything for me except keep my pain alive for longer. Luckily, Even though this program caused some trauma for me, I did meet my husband there, so it was worth it in the end. I didn't reframe this experience until many years later, so don't expect that bad things happen and you can instantly have a positive or neutral perspective about it. For so long, I blamed all of them. It was their fault that I didn't do as well as I could have because the way the classes were taught and their priorities. I had a long list of excuses for why it wasn't my fault. Reframing is taking responsibility for your role in the things that happen to you and stop seeing everything in a defeatist way. It's refusing to wallow in self-pity and thinking, why does this always happen to me? Things will never work out for me. I suck. Things like that. Reframing helps us move on and not let the bad memories and experiences have so much power over us. So something I've learned from this process is that my instincts usually suck. When I'm triggered, my first thought is to drink, and then my second thought is to never eat again for the rest of my life. It's really consistent. When something bad happens or I feel like people may be unhappy with me, I always beat myself up over it and shame myself. It takes time for me to move from that kind of thinking into a healthier perspective. So after practicing cognitive reappraisal for a while, now I'm pretty good at doing it. But what helped me is asking for other people's opinions on situations that upset me. From someone that I trust, but someone who isn't affected by the situation. So they can tell me if they think I'm overreacting or misinterpreting something. And I do this before I respond to the situation. So if you're looking to work on your perspective, you can ask people that you trust their opinion on situations before you deal with the situation. So try to stop reacting to things in the exact moment that they happen and pause and wait to figure out how you actually feel about it and what's actually going on. So it's a process and perspective is really important. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you would share it with someone or rate and review the podcast. And I will talk to you next week.